Welcome to Louise's Health Kick podcast with Louise Mercier. Louise is a nutritional therapist, award-winning author of How Food Shapes Your Child, and a presenter on Early Years TV Food Channel. As well as all this, Louise is the force behind the Health Kick, promoting a healthy lifestyle without the contradictory and often misplaced advice in the world of nutrition. Hello and welcome to Louise's Health Kit Podcast with me, Louise. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Claire Stead. Claire is, well, she'll, I'll let Claire introduce herself because she will do a much better job of it than I can. But we had a really good conversation in Newcastle about babies' brains when we met together at an author's lunch. So we both thought, well, let's take the conversation further and actually do a podcast about this where we can both say why we're both so passionate about babies' brains. So Claire, thanks very much for joining me. And firstly, just tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words. Louise, thanks for having me. And hi, everybody. It is so nice to be here with you today. I love a good natter about babies' brains. There's nothing more exciting as far as I'm concerned. Um, So I am a primary school teacher by training and I just, you know, I went on an adventure to find out why some children arrive at school and thrive and some children don't. And um, by the time I finished teaching, I taught all the way through primary, from nursery through to, through the, all the way through primary, and I was teaching year four, and, and I kept seeing these children arrive in the classroom and thrive and gobble up all the work that they were given, while other children just did amazing things. They were brilliant, but at avoiding all the work they were given, rather than doing what they were actually in school to do, which was learn. And then I realised that behind every one of those children who were struggling and not thriving was a parent standing alone in the playground, feeling slightly rejected, slightly lost, like a failure, and and frustrated at at times. And I I just wondered what had made a difference to those children? Why why had they ended up in these different environments? So, So who am I? I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to find the answer to the challenge that our children are having in our primary schools. Um, I then became an education researcher, working with the top 5% of schools in England and Wales, advising governments around the world on curriculum and on um, learning using um, what was then called ICT in education, um, and then became e-learning. I'm old. Um, And... I then moved to Zambia, um, put the whole of primary education on a tablet for African kids to have international standard education in their own language. Um, And I previously taught in New Zealand. And again, in all three continents, I saw the same issue. And that was when I realized, you know what, this is a proper real thing. Um, It's worth investigating. So that's who I am. What do I do now? I have um, a, a I built the Aliki app, which is an app for parents from conception to two to build, build, be, babe, to build babies' brains um, through tiny playful moments. Fantastic. And I think we know people who work in early years and people, you know, probably the audience for this show, that those the, the window of opportunity for childhood brain development is really in that very crucial early stage of life, isn't it? And it, we talk about the first thousand days or the first 1,001 days for some reason. I don't know why there's a one, but anyway, maybe you can tell me, but okay. <laughs> I know why. It's because um, if you look online, um, the first thousand days has been taken by UNICEF and um, those sort of big corporate 
corporates uh, globally, and the UK wanted their own um, <laughs> .gov, um, .org, .whatever, so it's first 1,001 days. Means you're UK or you're global. It's, it's sort of, do you know what? It's 1,000 days or thereabouts where we can make the most amazing impact across so many different areas of life. Um, and that, I'm sure we'll get into that during this this natter. Okay, so the one day makes no difference. It's just we wanted our own. Okay, that. thank you for settling that. So for those who don't know, Claire, the first thousand days, when does it start? And I know this is a really bad question, two questions in one. Why is it so important? Okay, so the first thousand days starts from conception and goes right the way through until two. Um, and it's so important because it's the time when the brain is developing like at no other time. It's literally building itself. And like building... I'm nicking this from Harvard Centre on the Developing Child, by the way. Um, and then I'm going to slightly change it, which I feel is a bit risky. Um, but it's it's like when you build a house, if you have really strong foundations, then your walls are going to go on straight and your roof is going to go on straight. And you know that the wiring will all line up and it'll all be great and it'll just work. Um, I want to slightly change that because... I want to think about when we're building our brains, when we're building our baby's brains, if we think of it like a pyramid, I think that's a much richer um, imagery. Because when you build a pyramid, the, the, the base bricks are the foundation of the next layer of bricks. And they have to have a really wide base to support the pinnacle of the of the. Uh, pyramid and each of those bricks needs to be around about the same sort of size in you can't have one massive one or the side will fall in or it won't be the right shape and the tops won't meet up so when we're building our baby's brains in the first thousand days of life what we're trying to do is build um a broad base of experience because what we know is that babies' brains are built from relationships and experiences and nurturing and support. And when we have this amazing um, environment of loving relationships with ex daily uh, tiny experiences, we give our child the best opportunity to build tiny skill on tiny skill. And the smaller the skills we build, the better. We don't want to take necessarily enormous jumps to the next thing. What we want to do is, is build copious um tiny experiences so that our children are able to take the developmental leap because they've got these really strong firm foundations and the first thousand days is the time when we are literally building the brain um, at times there's a million synapse connections being built because um, babies are born by the way with all the neural connections and uh, neurons that they will need in life so when they're 97 and dying they've got the same neurons um, that they were born with but they're not connected and it's the experiences that we give our child during that period of time that connects the um the the the, the neurons together and part of that process is pruning and so we build initially we build um lots and lots and lots of connections um 
so the the neuron fires off an electrical signal is sent out and off it goes and it connects on a random route to another neuron when that pathway is reutilized and reutilized and reutilized what we get is a really strong route that is quick and clean and tidy and then the brain prunes away the ones that are not needed but if we keep giving our babies loads of really rich experiences then those neurons that have been created can get utilised and we literally build bigger, better, stronger brains by giving richer, rich, consistent, relationship-strong experiences to our babies from conception onwards. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've written about babies' brains from a different angle, but still coming with the neurons and the connections, because I talk about it in terms of building it biologically with the food that we eat and how, as you say, this period of real rapid pace of growth and development, never seen again, but it's ridiculously fast how the brain grows and that all those connections and experiences that you speak of are the most important element of a baby's brain development. And we know that, that the positive reinforcement, and which is why we all smile around children and why we all you know, are very encouraging around babies and children because the positive reinforcement is really what helps them to build. Now, I talk about food um, and I've written about food and I've got a course about building a baby's brain with food. And food is really important because it helps that growth and development. So it's like the fuel that helps all those connections. Um, The 50% of a daily energy goes to the brain when it is building itself. Whereas us grown-ups, we only, our brain only needs about 20% of the energy. And that's really just to, to, you know, to keep things, keep things going. You know, it's not here to keep things ticking over for us and to stop us forgetting everything. Um, But in a child, it's, it's built, it is, as you say, building. And I, I refer to it like a tree. The branches of a tree and you talk about pruning um, and in my visuals that I use I literally have a, a tree um, with all the branches going in different directions all those positive of course there'll be some negatives there is in everybody's past and everybody's experience but it's those positive branches and those reinforcements and those connections that become pathways and habits and behaviors which is I suppose where the next stage comes in where that takes us beyond the thousand or thousand and one days but through the rest of our lives because those connections are as you said deep deep connections deep and strong and and actually what we know is that a child's development at just 22 months old predicts their academic outcomes at 26 years so getting it right early not only helps you build strong brains, but actually sets kids up for success for life. Because we know that a child who starts school at 4.6 months behind their peers at five, by 16, if they've been on free school lunches, which is very interesting to you, um, that will be 29.6 months behind their peers. Now, that me at 16, that means... If you're 20, 29 months behind your peers at GCSE, what is going to happen? You're two years not ready for your GCSE, so you know where that trajectory is going to go. So it, if food and education and development fall completely in line with each other. And the other thing about these first thousand days that is becoming more and more well known is the impact on what area the the areas of life that it impacts on and that is um literally everything um it 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 impacts um from you know the academic success obviously their health 
your their mental health, um, their ability for co- concentration and focus and their resilience, but even down to how much money they're going to earn and who they're going to marry because their relationships are also um, impacted in this first thousand days because the foundations for all of all of it are laid. But also the three biggest um, health issues of diabetes, depression and one other that's desperately escaping my mind right now, but it'll come to me, are laid down, uh, you know, potential for the issues are laid down in these first thousand days. And so it really, really matters, as does place, you know, the, the, the environments that our kids grow up in, you know, if they're not exposed to nature, if they're not exposed to risk, if they're not exposed to dirt and germs and foods and tastes and textures and sensory experiences, then actually what happens is windows close, literally windows close, and you cannot redevelop some parts of the brain if they aren't um, exposed to these experiences in the early days. And I've just been um, reading a blog. It's called Listening to Children to unheard children and it's come out from speechandlanguage.org and you know this we we now have got it says um teachers now estimate that 1.9 million children are behind with their talking or understanding of words which is the highest number ever recorded that's one in five children who are struggling with talking and understanding of words is this as a result of covid or is this part of that aftermath I haven't unfortunately read all of her report to say what she's she's come out with. But um, basically what we put in as the foundations, even if it is as a result of COVID or if it's not, the parents who are... The children who are being born now are being born to parents who have been through the pandemic and have had that trauma themselves. And we're going to have... As parents come through, as more as more parents come through, they they are the parents who were graduating during COVID and missed periods in their teen childhood of socialization and that sort of thing. So actually, all of it is it's got, we're going to see the the impact of the pandemic for years coming through, and and it's our role as educators in the early years to support parents incredibly early and as often as possible to help them understand the power they have to really impact their children's outcomes through the food that they share with their children, because then they can biologically build correctly and um, I'd love to hear more about that from you but also if we aren't supporting parents to success then we set up a, 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 an environment of parents feeling judged and when we have parents feeling judged then we feel we need to fix the child they feel judged whereas what I'm trying to do is get us as educators and um, people who support parents early is to support them early so that we don't have any judgment we have success built in from the first days because we know success is like a magic penny as the, as the song goes and um <laughs> hold it tight and you don't have any um lend it spend it and give it away and not familiar with that one Claire. i can i can warble away if you like um if you're a primary school teacher you know that song um but but success breeds success and you know, we we need to sort of 
help parents understand that they have real power here. I mean, that, that's what I, I try to say with early is it's that there is, and I do refer to it as a window of opportunity because it is a window of opportunity. And as you say, it can be closed and it's very hard to reopen and sometimes it can't be reopened. And um, that's not to say if, if you're a parent with a child who's beyond that age that, and you're thinking, oh God, I'm doomed. You're not, you're not. But, you know, I think what we what we forget with early years it's never too late. The brain has lots of plasticity, doesn't it? But but what we forget with early years is how much influence you have, how much power you have. And it is an amazing role to shape the lives of entire generations of children. And I always say this when I work in early years, you have the best role because you can, you spend so much time, more time than the parents in some cases, many cases, you can really shape that individual. You can, you can really influence all outcomes, as you say, all outcomes of their future. Their future health foundations are laid in childhood, very early childhood. Lots of outcomes to do with it. Lots of markers are laid down in childhood obesity, as you say, type 2 diabetes. Lots of different markers um, to do with the bone health. I do a lot of Another area I talk a lot about is how we build a skeleton. Our framework for the rest of our lives is laid down in childhood and it has a lot of wear and tear to cope with over the years. Um, But the foundations, we only have a window of opportunity again to lay down the strong foundations of of our skeleton. If we don't, we're more prone to brittle bone disease, to breaks, to fractures, to all manner of aches and pains in later life. So that window of opportunity, we know is very important, but my child has just turned 10 I was working in this field when I was pregnant with him, when I when I was going through things. I wasn't told once from any professional about the importance of the first 1,000 days of eat. You know, you have the healthy eating in pregnancy, all of that, but no reason why. There was no reason why you should eat this in childhood because it builds your baby's brain and actually your own brain could be depleted because the baby's pinching store. So nothing was explained. Now, I thankfully I knew and I did, took it upon myself to do the right things, but people can't do what they don't know. And, and if we could wave a magic wand, I often say this because I, I often think if I could just do this, what would you like to see change in terms of people don't know what they don't know? So what would you like to see change? Do you know, I think the most powerful thing is the why. Uh, and, and that's how and why I built the Aliki app, was to give parents that power of why. Because when you understand, like, for example, I find, uh, I found looking after tiny babies, mm, some days were a little bit slow and dull. Long days when you're really tired and it's all a bit tricky. And you think, you look around the house at the end of the day, the house is a disaster. You feel like you've achieved absolutely nothing. You All you've done is change nappies and this thing has cried all day and you're tired and it's just like, a, it feels pointless and like you've achieved nothing. And when... When you then realise that in that nappy change you sang Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, that you have in that moment given your baby the beginning of maths because 
you've given them um, rhythm and uh, rhythm and rhyme. You've given them rhythm and rhyme. You've given them language and context. You've given them um, repetition of language. You've given them communication skills because you've been talking together. You've given them the beginning of reading because they've been watching the little twinkly lights that you happen to have that are flashing and they've been tracking with their eyes. When you realise that, suddenly that day is transformed and you get that invisible crown that you wear as a parent and you just straighten it because actually, do you know what? You are a goddess or a god because you did achieve something at the end of the day. Yeah, there has some mess, but it doesn't matter because literally you've been building somebody's brain and that's far more important than tidying the house. And I think... And, and from the research that we did with UCL Institute for Education on the impact of the Aliki app, what we found from parents was that it was it was when they got the why, and when they were given um, a focus for the day, what happened was they upped their interaction significantly with their children, and those interactions they were inter- they were um, upping were the serve and return, the ones that are brain building, and. So they would have on Monday, maybe they, their activity would be to, to look at things that were read. On Tuesday, they were doing numbers and in context. On Wednesday, they were doing questions. Thursday, they go to Tesco and other other supermarkets are available. Um, and then as they were going around the aisles, they suddenly remembered that, oh, yeah, we had questions, we had read, we had numbers. Oh, how many red apples can you see? And those conversations then bring all that learning together. And the parent knows why they're doing stuff. And when they know why they're doing stuff, they do more of it. And when they do more of it, you give the child more opportunity to develop and grow and build those beautiful neural connections that we're looking for. So if it was me, it would be ensuring every parent understood that those tiny moments every single day are brain building moments, that nappy changing can literally be game changing. And when you understand why, you have transformed the parenting experience. No, absolutely. I think that's really important. I think that reinforcement of, it's it's quite lonely, isn't it, in the in the early days? And that reinforcement of somebody else just saying, well, you're doing a good job. I always remember, and it, it, it sticks with me. I was out um, clothes shopping with my, he was about 15 months, I think, but he was, you know, he was still quite toddly and not really walking very much. So I remember just sort of having him with me, I took him in the changing room with me and I was just nattering away to him about the different clothes. I don't quite remember what I was shopping for. I don't often shop for clothes. It must've been for an occasion, but I remember just talking away to him about this outfit, this outfit, literally nonstop. It's the only person I spoke to most days. So, you know, it would be nonstop. So, and and the lady, in the, when we came out with all the clothes and the lady in the cubicle next to me, she, she had been a teacher, she was retired and she just said to me, I was listening to you and it was so lovely that you were just talking to him. And I just remember at the time thinking, well, that's just normal. That's the only person I have to talk to, you know. But it, it made me feel really good. And I, it, it just was somebody else just saying, and that's the nice thing to do. That's the right thing to do. And it, it just I came away quite, you know, quite smiley. And But I was doing nothing other than I would normally do. But it's just, oh, well, there's a reason why I'm doing it, you know, just. Absolutely. And I think you say it's normal. I'm not so sure it's as normal as it may have been now because phones get in the way um i was i'm doing a talk tonight and one of the most staggering statistics is the screen times um that 
on average children are having. So it was a research, a Canadian study in 2019 of over 2,500 children that showed that children were now clocking up 17 hours of screen time per week by the age of two. And that increases to 25 hours by the age of three. Um, and do you know what? Screen time is screen time is screen time. That's fine. I'm not, it's not the screens that's the problem. It's the what's not happening in those 17 hours. And the fact that we think that children can take language from screens, they can learn from screens. Actually, the research is showing that they they find it really difficult to do that. Um, but also, it's not just the child's in front of the screen, it's the parents also in front of a screen. And how, I mean, I absolutely hands up, I've done it too, is the yeah, 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 in a minute, yeah, 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 hold on, mm-hmm, with you in a moment, mm-hmm, yeah, mm. And I'm not listening to a word they're saying. Uh, there's no interaction. My face is flat. I've got a group, brilliant um, photo, actually, of two children looking and two children looking. And one of, one of the images, they're side by side, and one of the images is the children looking at the telly and one of them, they're looking at something in the distance. And it's pick it's pick the, the, pick the picture. Um it is so clear that the faces of the telly watching children are just flat. There's no no expression at all. Whereas the, the looking to real life or listening to somebody or whatever it was, I can't even remember. Um, there's loads of expression. They're engaged. They're, they're actually captivated. Whereas, yes, they're captivated by the screen, but they aren't engaged in, in the same way. Um, so I just think it's really important that we remember that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know that the World Health Organization have lots of guidelines around screen time, but it can be very difficult to implement. But I think the screen time is it is going to be a way of life now for, for people, for children. And as much as I think, oh, I wish it wasn't quite as much of a way, it's not going to go away. It's 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 here to stay. Um, I think it's the balance, isn't it, of people not feeling judged if we if we talk about screen time, because for, for many, it is literally the only respite, the only the only thing that will calm children, etc. So, so screen time is fine in context. I think it's just, as you say, remember the stuff that's, remember to do the other stuff and to remember why the other stuff is so important. So screen time together, eye contact, you know, little things that make a big difference with children. Absolutely. And I think, you know what, screen time for, for me was a lifesaver as a parent. And I'm not absolutely and never advocating that we should get rid of I think we can we can beat ourselves up and berate ourselves going completely the opposite direction. The other but 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 remembering that if they've had two hours of telly, what they've had two hours that they've missed of other stuff. I think that's really important. But but also being as one who uses their phone way too much, being really really aware and cognizant of how often we use our phone. The other one would be dummies. I mean, I'd be really interested to hear what you think about dummies. Um, if your child's got a dummy in all the time, how are they able to articulate and communicate? because it's going to cause speech issues. So keep dummies for what dummies are for, which is that soothing, pacifying, sleeping time, not during the daytime. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would agree on that one because of, as you say, the, the mouth development and and the the ability to just use. I've seen children trying to talk with it in a corner of their mouth, you know, and it's just no. <laughs> You're trying to articulate something or express something, and this is just in the way. So yeah, I would I would be in complete agreement on that one, definitely. But I think I think we're not here to. I always say this with food because food is a very emotive subject with people, especially at the moment. We've got. We've got real food issues and we've got real food insecurity. We've got escalator. Every time I go to the shop, something is more expensive than it was the last time. You know, we've got escalating food prices. Everybody, to some degree, is affected by that, but many more than others. And so the food landscape has made it very difficult for some families to to think, well, I can embrace a healthier lifestyle. I, I know how to is one thing because I don't think people do. And that's through no fault of their own. That's because we as society have lost our way with food. The media have mismanaged food and many big initiatives have been missed in terms of the message they've tried to give. Millions have been spent and it's for me felt like a missed opportunity to, to get the message across that I think was the intended message. So we've lost our way with food and it's very difficult because parents can often feel judged when you bring up the food conversation because for many, the only af- affordable and available food is the ultra-processed fo- ultra food landscape. And that's the reality for many families. And the UK is now tipping the, uh, we're leading, but it's not a good thing to be leading in. We're leading in the consumption of ultra-processed foods for the under fives. Um, so the impact of that on many areas of health is is catastrophic. There is no other word for it. It's catastrophic. Um because the ultra-processed food landscape, and it's like we've said, it's not just what's being consumed, it's what's being missed. And it's it's so when you eat those foods, yes, there's all manner of biological things that go on with those foods. They're hyperpalatable, which means you want more of them. They're, they're, they create responses in the brain that lead to you craving that food again. It leads to memories of food, especially if we link food with comfort, reward and bribe, as I know many still do. And that's a whole other conversation. Um, But there are many situations that those foods bring. But that's not helpful to talk about that if they're the only foods that you can afford because it's just going to make you feel worse that those foods are the only foods that you can afford. So we have a huge problem and it's a, it's very much going to create many more health problems in the future, many more societal outcomes for children as we've spoke about those early foundations for academic performance and enjoyment. Because remember children who are struggling in the classroom for whatever reason, they're not going to enjoy it, they're not going to engage, they're going to disengage, which is going to make them, you know, even harder. To, to enjoy being at school and, and all other issues that can affect self-esteem, mental health, all manner of issues. So for me, the, the food landscape is super important, but heading very much in the wrong direction for a generation of children. They are they are only able to consume certain food which are not fueling their biological development and are not fueling their mental health or their emotional well-being. And that's a problem I can't solve, unfortunately. <laughs> But what we can do in nurseries and in um, in homes um, and in activities outside of, of of homes is use food as part of a child's experience of everyday play. So if there is an opportunity for an apple or an orange or um watermelon or I'm just desperately trying to think then letting a child explore that not as necessarily as food but explore it as um play 
which ultimately is going to end up being in their mouth because we know that that's what babies do. But but if we use it as a, as a means of play, um, then you don't need an apple per child. You need a, a couple of slices of apple per child, um, which is much, much cheaper. Um, again, carrots, it doesn't need to all be sweet things. It could be vegetables as well, you know, it, all f- kinds of foodstuffs. Just letting children explore, letting them get dirty, letting them get messy. All of those are rich sensory experiences that literally build the brain, but also build taste buds, build taste experiences, build um, textural understanding in the in the mouth as well, which is so important for later food consumption. And and with your toddlers, you can get literally a bean and plant a bean and grow that bean on your windowsill or some cress. Because it grows quickly, so it's very exciting to see. It grows really quickly, absolutely. And there's no reason why we can't allow... Do... um, potatoes you know I mean I don't know about you but I have potatoes that chit all the time you know when those little the little bits come off I mean often I'll I don't know whether I should but I I break those off and I eat them but taking one of those and popping that in a pot on a windowsill you're going to grow literally grow your own grown potatoes and how exciting is that for a little baby and and it's such a learning opportunity when you talk through it, when you discuss, when you you don't allow the baby to watch, you allow the baby to do. And I think it's one of our our, our mistakes is we we I often see uh, people doing lovely learning experiences for children, and the child gets to stand and watch the grown up have a lovely time playing. Um, and <laughs> where if they had had the opportunity to pour the soil into the um, plant pot just think about that the, the gross motor movements the fine motor movements the control that is required in order to put the spoon in the bag of soil or in the ground to get the soil and turn the spoon over and get it into the pot that hand-eye coordination the crossing the middle line the the planning that is required the motor planning the understanding where my body is in space just by taking a piece of a a spoon sticking it in the ground and tipping a, a spoonful of mud into a pot and then sticking a plant in and then that that response and they're so satisfied when they do it of course they are, but we get in the way too often. And I think it's really important as a parent or as an adult to stand back and think, who's doing the learning here? What learning's happening? What opportunities for learning are we providing? I think we can think of the mess. I think we can think of the mess. So I know from personal experience, I hated baking with my child when he was very small because it's just messy. And I'm a bit OCD in the kitchen. I like to have things very clean and clinical when I'm cooking and everything is tidied away. And I would literally be like standing behind him, like watching the flour go everywhere, the, the, the spoon, literally. You can see it's going to miss the bowl. It's never going to make it to the bowl, but you just have to let him go. And it's I'm like, like, it's going on the bench, on the bench. Never mind, try again. And it, I think we can get involved because we're thinking of the mess or we're short of time. I think, no, we need to get this activity done because we're on to something else but children don't think like that do they they're just in the moment and we rush them and we don't let them be in the moment but we should very much let children be in the moment there's um really interesting chap that I connect with quite often in terms of early years food connection which is Lee the skinny jeans gardener um because he does a lot of work on getting children to to just understand the excitement of food growing and it is very exciting hugely exciting I mean when you un especially potatoes because it all happens under the ground and the 
and they've just been watering this thing for, and you helped, obviously. Um, and then, ta-da, magic has happened. Your new potatoes have arrived. But I think on the mess front, I often get quoted that by parents. And I think there's a couple of things to, to, to think about. One is mitigation. You can absolutely put down a piece of plastic uh, on the floor and do it on the floor. Because if it's on the floor, on a plastic, there's, it's very easy to scoop it up. Two, you can do it in the bath. You can do so many things in the bath. So the mess is contained and very easily washable, as is your child. Or you can do it outside. And do you know what? Children need to get messy. They need that sensory experience. And we are very, very often preventing our children from getting messy. And that is preventing them from developing the neural connections that understand sensory experiences. So you can clean your kitchen. You really, really can. There's a cloth. You can wipe it down. Your child can help you clean your kitchen because it's going to be a learning experience. How is your child going to be good at cleaning as an adult if you don't allow them to clean when they're a toddler? So do you know what? I can't go with the mess thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I just know it's an excuse because I had it myself. I, I did go through it, but I, I, I didn't like it. But I, I, I was very animated and excited in the process, but inwardly thinking, oh, you know. <laughs> I, I know, and I, and, and I think there's hundreds and thousands of parents feeling exactly the same. And But but let's look at it from the kiddies' point of view. Turn it round and see actually what are they missing out from because you want a tidy kitchen. And I get it. It's a pain tidying up. No one wants to do it. The more we give them those experiences, the quicker they'll get better at it and the less the mess will be. And the smaller we, the, the earlier we start with letting them take risky mess, messy opportunities, the better they will be at controlling themselves and the messes are smaller when they're littler. And so therefore start early and it'll be better later. <laughs> Yes, this is very true. This is very true. Um, Claire, I could I could literally talk to you all day, but I'm aware that we we have limited time to maintain people's attention spans. We all have limited attention spans these days, don't we? So we try to keep things concise. But it's a huge, huge subject. And I think we know the importance of thousand, thousand and one days um, is crucial for I think what isn't known is what how much impact it has in later life. I mean, obviously we know this, we talk about this, but I think people just think, you know, oh, they're a toddler. Yes, they're a toddler, but actually what it's nothing. I always say to people, what happens in childhood doesn't just stay in childhood. It, it, it is shaping the rest of that child's life. So when we're influencing in the moment, we're influencing many moments to come in that child's life. And I think that's when we think of that as a parent, that's a lovely thing to think that we're influencing many moments in their lives to come because we're giving that positive reinforcement into that baby's brain that will be deep-rooted, a deep-rooted connection that they remember that. They don't remember it. I talked to my child about things before the age of four and a half, and he's like, no idea. And I'm like, well, but but it's there. I know it's in there. It's just that he physically can't remember things. Um, can't remember certain holidays, but he, it's all there. And, and that's what we have to remember as parents, that what we're doing isn't fruitless. It's building very strong connections in that brain, very positive reinforcement connections that will go a long way in their future. Um, so Claire, is there anything you want to say to close? We're going to put all your links up um, with the podcast as it goes out so people will be able to see what you do in more detail. Yes, thank you. Um, do you know what parents, early years educators, you're so important. What you do every single day lasts a lifetime. So every, every second a million synapses are being created. 
how you connect them, the experiences you give your children, literally can change their life. That's not, it sounds huge and it absolutely is, but it doesn't have to be hard because it's all about those tiny moments. And that's why I built the Aliki app to support those tiny moments every single day so that you feel amazing because you know that on a daily basis you're doing amazing things. And don't get overwhelmed, just get chatting, just get doing, just get down and play and you will build your baby's brain. Thank you very much, Claire. You've been listening to Louise's Health Kick podcast with Louise Massier, discussing all things health and nutrition to show you that food and health are intrinsically linked and teaching you how amazing you can feel. Find out more at www.thehealthkick.co.uk or read her book, How Food Shapes Your Child or get in touch on social media. This is a 1386 audio production. 